Welcome to the Winemakers Podcast. In each episode, we meet one winemaker and get the chance to hear their story on their turf. We walk through the vineyard, taste their wine, and share a home-cooked meal. If you haven't already, visit thewinemakersseries.com to order your season one case, one bottle for each winemaker. Then pull cork, press play, and enjoy. Mark Adams of Ledge is a local farmer that couldn't wait to leave Paso and pursue his dreams of being a musician. Now his music is the soundtrack to one of the best new wines out of this region. It's clear that Mark lives his life with intention and integrity. Every decision is made thoughtfully. Every action is taken seriously. He works hard to make sense of his surroundings and it comes across in everything he does. His focus is on sustainability and self-propagation. It's not unusual to find him planting and caring for new vines in the nursery on his property. His beliefs are what make his wines so spectacular and also why he makes so little of it. He's an artist in every sense of the word. Hard to find, but worth the trouble. The few that know about Ledge will continue to enjoy it for a long time. From Seller Media, this is The Winemakers, Paso Robles, California. I'm Louise Houghton. Mark still has the look of that LA music guy he once was. Wild hair, cool demeanor, moves to a rhythm that comes from within. I meet him in the house he grew up in, perched on a ledge, which inspired the name of his label. It's rustic and quaint, with a fantastic brick wall surrounding an open log fireplace. He now lives here with his wife and daughter. I thought we were coming here for wine, but we got so much more. All of the music in this episode is by the Mark Adams Band, and much of it was recorded in Mark's living room during our visit. So were you playing music before you went down to Los Angeles? As far back as I can remember, I was doing school band in grammar school, and then... In junior high, got a little bit more serious and was doing jazz band and honor band. And then in high school, sort of veered into more band stuff, like rock and roll band stuff. And then uh, it was time for me to go to college. And so I went to Chico State up in Northern California and continued playing music there and getting a degree in humanities and cinema studies. That, That was my major and emphasis. And I wanted to do film music and it goofed around with other aspects of cinema. I have a million movies on VHS from this place where my brother and sister and I are goofing off and running around in silly outfits. And so this was really just a big playground for us to go back to that. And God bless mom and dad for giving us a, such a special piece of countryside for the sake of uh, growing up somewhat feral, you know. Mark graduated from Chico State and followed his dreams south to the L.A. music scene. I got my entry into the film business by sweeping up popcorn at the Regent Theater in Agora Hills. It was a (laughs) theater owned by a production company, and I worked my way into being a PA on the set of, 
Gosh, I think the first movie was called Murder Cycle or something like that. It was a horror movie about a freaky motorcycle rider or something. I don't even recall exactly what it was, but I uh, went from B-movie to B-movie for a number of years, and then I got a job in the sound department at Sony Pictures about three, four years before I moved back here, uh, realizing that I didn't want to be in Los Angeles anymore. I had hoped to do something with my life that could earn enough money uh, to hopefully purchase something like this. And as the years went on and living in Los Angeles got more and more expensive, I knew that it was going to be a lifetime of the golden handcuffs before I could potentially get something anywhere near this. So I asked uh, mom and dad's permission to come back and take a crack at uh, planting vines. So when I left Sony Pictures, I was already pretty late to the game of a young, young man. I don't know, I was 28. Was wine always part of your life when you were born? Because you were here in no. Paso? In fact, it was not at all. Okay. It was a place where my brother and sister and I ran around and climbed trees and picked flowers and roughed around. It was not about the industry at all. And in fact, I hope to maintain basic sustainability here. I don't have a lot of real lofty goals with regard to what this becomes with regard to, to wine or ledge or anything. It's just some place that I feel lucky to continue to be a part of and to grow grapes and raise a family and be myself. Where's my town now? When did all of this go down? Where's my town now? You went to school here with several people who are still around as well? Yeah, right. quite a few. Notably, my mentor Justin Smith from Saxon Vineyards and James Berry Vineyard. And Justin Smith, Mark's childhood friend, is the owner and winemaker at Saxon, which in 2010 earned a 100-point score and won Best Wine in the World with his 2008 James Berry Vineyard Southern Rhone Blend. Only a few dozen winemakers on the planet have earned this distinction. He's one of the best winemakers in the world and helped put Paso on the map. Also Janelle, Michael and Matt Ducey and their parents Johnny and Big Mike. There are several still around. But I thought it was a vineyard then? What was it? It was, it was countryside. We had 4-H, we were in 4-H. So we raised various animals and there were a few grain crops through here. Mm -hmm. It was mostly open space and mom and dad were hardworking, middle-class folk. Mom was a school teacher for a long, long time, second grade, and she just recently retired from teaching second grade. And my dad uh, retired from pharmacy. And now I just hope to keep, uh, keep my hand on the plow. Mom and Pop had a mom and Pop. And Uncle Louie had not a shop. So the way back yeah. was realizing that I wanted to get my hands dirty. I wanted to be part of this place any way I could. 
And I was willing to do anything just to have the opportunity to come back home and lend a hand. So I asked the advice of Justin Smith, who had been at winemaking and wine growing for about 10 years already, I think. Uh, if not, well, his whole life, ever since his folks planted. I wanted to not copy what everyone else was doing up here. Mm -hmm. And it was still relatively under the radar to do Rhone varietals here. So when I'd been given the advice to jump into maybe some Rhones, I collected cuttings for this block here, which is the first block I planted. With uh, the help of a few college friends, I took cuttings from a neighboring vineyard namely James Berry Vineyard, and uh, put about 4,000 of them under my basement during the dormant season. Brought them out in April 2005, and then proceeded to clip each one down to size over the course of about a week, and it was a good rainy year. But there was none of this steel in here. It was all just a little bit of irrigation hose and plants. And as you can see, I've got a decent amount of missing teeth in here. And that was because it was a one or two person operation all the time. What do you mean, and a missing teeth? Well, there's a missing vine there, there's a missing vine there, there's a missing oh. vine there. Okay. And so when I pulled up the drip line, it offset when I, I did these posts next and then we did end posts and we learned really quickly how difficult farming is, especially if you try to put four acres in and, and do it all by yourself without much knowledge of, of, uh, of how to keep it going. The Winemakers Podcast is supported by Winerist.com. Winerist.com is dedicated to making your wine and food travel simple. Discover experiences in over 130 destinations worldwide that are curated to fulfill all your wine and food dreams. You've heard from the experts. Now explore the regions that inspire them with Winerist.com. Everything you said is true. It took off originally uh, almost 100%. And then as the dry season came and gophers came and the weeds grew, we uh, started taking our lumps and losing vines. But I like uh, wine growing and wine making for a lot of reasons, but one of my favorite things about growing grapes is that it's sort of a survival of the fittest where uh, they fight, they struggle. I think the uglier the vine, the sweeter the wine. <laughs> Although we don't want sweet wines, we want dry wines. <laughs> it might make you feel better That it can't get any worse Let the poison drain out. So Justin has really coached you and taken you under his wing and told you everything he knows. You, you I doubt he's told me everything he knows. In <laughs> fact, I'm certain he hasn't, but he has definitely been a guiding force in everything that Ledge has done. Well, were you helping him out uh, at Saxon? He's a good friend. I started helping him out uh, around 2004 and planted this place just after. And so these are 13-year-old guys here this lunker, this was a stick. It was wow. a stick that we just put in the ground. And now it's this glorious vine, old looking. 
does look but old. It, it's it's only 13 years old we're in heavy clay down here so the water retention's good you notice there's no irrigation set up here so we're, so we're dry farming this yeah. block so, so i'm experimenting with all kinds of different things and none of them are necessarily right yeah. but how tight these are this will become a jungle with its own microclimate here this block it'll get misty right here in ways that just 20 feet away will not there's gonna be so much happening here but these so are both same one this is a baby of the bone rock terraces up over there and this is a baby of the first ledge block here so that's the grandparent this is the parent and this is the baby i wouldn't be able to farm this place if I had to use heavy irrigation and certified rootstock and all these things that big time farmers have, it would just be an impossibility. I knew that relatively soon after we planted this with literally no, nothing. I had a couple of years where I was counting on unemployment, you know, and working for trade and things like this. Try to break free from the curves. They may know But that won't heal your heart You're spilling with a And was it the clay soil sanity. that made you decide that you wanted to grow Syrah or is there another reason you chose that grape? No, it was just the only thing I knew and I knew that I enjoyed the wines that came from Jamesbury Vineyard and that was my schoolhouse and you know you write what you know and i knew rones and we're aware because of our proximity to the ocean and the altitude and the soil types so this is heavy clay here and that's sandy soils here we know that uh, rones especially grenache which is that block right across the way uh, grenache like sand um, chateau rayas and chateau lenearth in france and uh, chateau neuf du pape they have sandy soils and it's uh, tried and true it's, okay. it's been tested over centuries elsewhere. I don't know the, if it's the, the smartest thing in the world to do, but I'm not giving up. Let it rain. Let it hurt. Let it and over here, we've got a block of Grenache, and Grenache adds a lot of sweetness and, uh, and some good tannic structure, and Syrah is uh, all around you know, like a, like a tenor. <laughs> and, uh, and the soprano would be your Grenache over here, sweet and bright and uplifting. And, I like the uh, music. <laughs> it works, it works. And let it all rain down. Let it all rain down. You've now walked into what you call the nursery. Yeah. So I've had easily a half dozen nurseries in various spots here, and I've settled on this galvanized steel trough and other raised bed scenarios for the cuttings, mostly because of my fight with gophers. They'll get under anything, as people know. And so this is do? a way to protect these cuttings from attack from down under. So we want them to push the roots this year and, and quite possibly another year. So we have a big fat root ball underneath these guys. And then I'll take these and I'll put them in the vineyard so that they can better compete with the two-year-olds out there. And you're gonna put those in all of the spots that you were saying that you're missing. All my missing teeth. And then we have yeah. a new block just up beyond over there that's that's gonna be for uh, Senso 
and uh, and Kunwa's here is is also going into a new block just just north of the original block. Another question about the the nursery. Yeah. And that is really why you have one, because as I understand it, so many of the people just buy this part themselves to be able to plant. You know, why is it so important to you that you grow it yourself here, nurture it? I like the fact that it's sustainable. Uh, I like the challenge of forming the roots myself. I'm comforted by the idea that I know exactly where they come from and they already have a sense of place. Uh, this Grenache is going off. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I can stand here and help you. <laughs> yeah, they're all pushing clusters right now and they're, they're not even uh, two months old. So that's a good sign. They're happy, they wanna make good wines. So that's the reason why I like to own root. It's also a real true expression of own rooting, dry farming, organic farming. Is, it's all a, you know, a real true expression of the soil. Well, what about your fermentation process? There's not much to it. You put grapes in a box and then they'll turn into wine if you take care of it. It's not really that complicated, but it can be as complicated or as simple as you want. But I definitely have an old world approach to wild fermentation. I like them to ferment on their own instead of inoculating. I like neutral oak as opposed to new oak barrels. I like to keep it simple. And a lot of that is because I didn't study enology. I didn't do a whole great deal of research with regard to various soil types and farming education. I just know this place. I know that it does rones well. I know that I can own root. And so I'm just doing those things. I, I don't have to reinvent the wheel. Well, what about when you come to blending? That's something that you need a palate for. I try to co-ferment the grapes together. Okay. So the Grenache and the Syrah are in the same fermenter. And I go, oh, that's pretty good. And let's put that in a bottle. <laughs> But the wine's made in the vineyard, not in the cellar. And I think most winemakers will agree with that. If you really have to work hard in the cellar to create the perfect blend, then maybe you're working too hard. That's just my experience. And I'm sure that there are plenty of people out there listening to this that will go, well, I don't know, I spent seven weeks on my blend and it was better at week seven than it was at week six. <laughs> And I'm not sure that it's the best way, but it's my way. And I lose enough sleep wondering if deer have gotten through our fencing. I don't need to worry about whether or not I put the right amount of Grenache into our blend, so. My techniques are old world in nature and the blending aspect, I don't know if that um, is that also, but I don't, I don't care. I don't want to worry about it. you also have to consider the fact that I'm working with minuscule amounts of wine. How many acres do you have here? We have 15 planted and 40 total. And 15's getting close to being my max. How many bottles does that make? Well, what, what it will make and what it's currently making, we're in the 300 cases realm. And how many people do you have working with you here? It's uh, my wife and I run the business and I'm in the cellar and and I've got a hand here, Salso, that you met mm -hmm. on his way out. So that's essentially the ledge team. This is the story of how I met my wife.
It was singles night and I was out of luck. But my friend got a call, he was getting hooked up. Asked me if I would be his wingman. I said that I would do the best that I can when we got... You, you, you mentioned your wife, but at the time when you moved back to Paso Robles, she was just your girlfriend. Yeah, she didn't unpack her suitcase when she was <laughs> visiting me here for the first time. I had to ask for her hand in marriage, and then all of a sudden she unpacked a thing or two. Oh, okay. Smart on her part. <laughs> She's good. She's great. Yeah, she does all of the hard work, the heavy lifting, as far as the brand is concerned. And I ride the tractor and listen to music and fight gophers and tend to the nursery. And I was only looking for a summer flame Wasn't supposed to mean anything I was only looking for a little fun Never thought I'd be falling in love Do you have much time for music in amongst being here yeah, and raising a family? Yeah, it only takes a couple hours every night on weekends, so Friday, Saturday, I'm free to play. Okay. But it's a hobby. It's it's a release. It's you know. Do you believe that that's important to have a release? It's essential. The Winemakers podcast is inspired by the Winemakers of Paso Robles coffee table book. The Winemakers of Paso Robles coffee table book is the perfect gift for the wine lover on your list. It took more than a year of interviews and photo shoots to make this 328-page large format book. It's the perfect book to curl up with a glass of wine and escape to wine country. The Winemakers of Paso Robles. Check it out on Amazon.com and at WNMKRS.com. That's WNMKRS.com. There are only a few first editions left, so get yours today. The Winemakers podcast is supported by PasoRobleswineries.net. PasoRobleswineries.net is the best resource for planning the perfect trip to Paso. Decide where you want to taste, eat, stay and explore all in one place with the only comprehensive map of every winery, distillery and brewery in the area. You can also find tasting coupons and hospitality discounts. Text SPECIALS to 24587 for coupons. That's SPECIALS to 24587. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Paso Robles Wineries. PasoRoblesWineries.net is the best place to plan your next trip to Paso. So where is your winery? I, I make the wines currently at uh, Saxon Facility. Okay. Thank, thank the moon and stars. It's uh, an incredible place and uh, I feel lucky to be there and I lend a hand anytime I'm called upon to do so. Any benefit I can be to that facility, I'm happy and jump to the opportunity to do so. I'm, I'm very much uh, available. Wow, so sort cool. of like being in Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. <laughs> no joke. And you've got a friend here who's going to cook for us, haven't I think you? It's, yeah, yeah, I do. Graham Harris, he's got Decker's Kitchen in uh, Thousand Oaks. He's uh, prepared some amuse-bouche for us already. We head back up to Mark's house, filled with friends, family and fun. Good wine, good food, and most importantly, good music. And he's one of the friends that helped us plant this vineyard. So he's significant in many ways, not only because he's an excellent chef and a great baker and a good friend, uh, he's, he's part of the heritage of this vineyard. And he comes up from time to time and uh, helps us prepare wonderful things like this. So we got carrot salad. Carrot salad. Radicchio and prosciutto, and yeah. 
We'll Ready pick him up. wrapped in prosciutto. Okay, awesome. Mm -hmm. And some steaks. And I think a carrot salad was a little bit modest there, you know. This carrot salad does not look like just a piece of carrot cut up and put into a salad with some olive oil. I no. mean, what is in this? So it's uh, rub with cumin and garlic made in a mortar and pestle with some crushed chilies and salt and olive oil and lemon zest. Coat those, roast it for a little bit, and then we're going to finish roasting it over the fire, which will be really good. And that's going to be topped with avocados and some sprouts and some cream and then a mixture of roasted seeds. You see, not just any carrot salad. <laughs> easier to say carrot salad, but yeah, it's true. Your um, version. <laughs> and then radicchio, and that's wrapped in prosciutto with some salt and pepper. And then we're going to grill that over the fire too with steaks. Wonderful. And then that'll be topped with like a creamy Caesar dressing with some basil, pesto mixed in, and goat cheese and some pine nuts. Um, so why have we chosen this particular food to go with the wines? Or did you, did you choose the... Graham knew we were going to have rosé and white. Okay. Mm -hmm. Originally, we were going to do just the Adams Ranch Syrah, which is the Syrah based with Grenache. And I knew I wanted to do steak. And uh, Graham definitely had his own input. He says, well, let's step it up a notch and we'll do ribeyes instead. And he had some sides that he wanted to prepare. So I like the salmon, a good pairing with the rosé and the Grenache Blanc. And then we're getting into the reds and we'll have some uh, hearty vegetables and, and red meat uh, to go with those. We're doing uh, big Rome blends. Adam's Ranch is probably the most elegant of those. And then we've got Jamesbury Vineyard Syrah with Grenache, Morved and Roussan blended in and a Grenache based from the Rolf family vineyard of primarily Grenache. So three different flavors of the area. Well, we can cheers. Cheers. Me too. Thank you very much. Salud. Salud. Tell me with the ganache what I'm what I'm getting here in terms of notes. Well, I prefer to say that you get what you get. I don't really appreciate it when somebody tells me what mm -hmm. I'm going to taste in a wine. Okay. I think that everyone has their own sense of taste and that they should trust their instincts on what they like, mm -hmm. what they're getting. If they can't put a finger on whether it is uh, uh, caraway or dried strawberry or cassis or whatever it is, then that's not only okay, but it's great. If you're enjoying what's in your glass and you can't put a finger on what fancy word to call it, or if you can't quite pronounce the wine on a menu, just go like this to the sommelier. I want that one, let's try that. <laughs> or ask for advice from a sommelier yeah. or whatever it is, but it shouldn't be stuffy. You should never feel intimidated by drinking fermented grape juice. People have been doing it for thousands and thousands of years. When the water was too dirty to drink, they drank wine. And I don't <laughs> think they worried about what they were getting in the aroma. So love it. And uh, I think with regard to what you're getting in Grenache is you're getting a lot of luscious fruit that can cover a great many different flavor indicators. Or and what about these labels? Our new releases, we now put some fancy pants foil on there so that <laughs> they shine a little bit. I just thought that was because uh, it was the rosé. Yeah. Well, the Grenache Blanc is silver. And we're not sure what we're going to do with the reds, but it is a romantic depiction of the ledge that we were out walking on earlier in that we're looking at the ledge and it just drops off pretty dramatically just over the property line. So that's why we call it ledge. It's a flat piece of property all up here where all the vineyards are, and then it drops down 
to the main thoroughfare of Vineyard Drive. And then on the opposite of Vineyard Drive, the soils change. So the significance of that is that we're taking risks. It's geological. It is physically looking like a ledge. It is. So you are on the edge. Oh, yeah. Well. Taking so many risks, man. <laughs> it worked for us, edge. and, and uh, we were surprised to see that it, it was uh, a trademark that hadn't been taken. Thank you very much for inviting us into your home. It's so nice to It's my pleasure. It's our today. pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. We take music seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. That's my uh, my philosophy with the wine too. There's my town now. The Winemakers Podcast is a production of Cellar Media, hosted by me. Louise Houghton. Executive Producer and Creative Director, Lauren Matic. Co-produced by Louise Houghton and John Meek. Original score, editing and sound design by John Meek of 10 Minutes Early. Live sound engineering by Dean Lee. Additional editing by Miguel Coez of the Music Interval Theory Academy. And additional sound engineering by Brian Vasquez. The Winemakers series was created by Julia Perez. For show notes, links and more, please visit wnmkrs.com forward slash podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Winemakers Series. And please subscribe, share and rate us on iTunes. Enter big chains and what the hell? Cellar Media.